demons. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of appropriate. It is appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> I like. I, I am like ruining your podcast. No, you're no, actually making just... me like think that we need to play this game more because clearly, <laughs> it's adding to the terror. I'm already scared, before, and I haven't even started the game. I mean, yeah, know, me too. Hello, and welcome to the 134th episode of the Not Your Mama's Gamer podcast, a podcast where we talk about games and gaming from a feminist perspective. My name is Samantha Flagman, and I'm an associate professor here at Purdue University in wonderful West Lafayette, Indiana, where I talk about, read about, write about, and dream about, amongst other things, video games, video games, video games. And I'm giggling because this is the second time that we're recording the beginning of this. <laughs> and I apologize in advance. Um, I know, this is horrible. Um, so we're joined tonight um, by a special guest. Um, our guest this evening is Amanda Gardner. And Amanda <clears throat> is uh, the co-founder writer and producer, or is a co-founder, writer and producer of Deep, at Deep End Games um, that has an upcoming game called Perception that looks absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll talk more about that because that's what we're here to talk about tonight. Hi, Amanda. <laughs> Hi. Thank you for the intro. <laughs> <laughs> it was much better the first time. I, we were all excited. <laughs> I think you did call me a badass the first time, but I know I I will keep the compliment close to my heart, and I will never forget it. So thank no, you. but you are an all-around badass. So we're also joined tonight by two of our regular Night Mama's Gamer folks, Bianca Batty and Charlotte Hot. Good Hi. evening, y'all. Hello. Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, of course, left out all kinds of wonderful things about you. Amanda, would you like to, what would you like to tell us about yourself more than what I left out? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm com- currently working on Perception, which is a first-person narrative adventure about a blind woman uh, solving mysteries in a haunted mansion. And it's really fun and exciting, and I'm working on it with my husband, who is a veteran of the Bioshock series, and other team members who worked on the Bioshock series and Dead Space, so we've got a real all-star team, and it's super fun, and the game's come along great, and it's so exciting. I'm so excited for this game. Thank you. <laughs> Even the second time around, I'm still excited for this game. Super Me pumped. too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and what about you, Bianca? Who are you, Donna? Hi, I'm Bianca Batty. I'm a PhD student at Purdue uh, in the field of literary studies, and I look at video games as a form of contemporary narrative, and especially do feminist analyses of things like uh, representations of motherhood, fatherhood, and gendered labor. I am becoming super pro at that now. Boom, I know what I am. This is going to be good for you on the job market. Yeah. I was going to say, you're going to be so ready for the job market because you got to spiel down. Uh, uh, uh. You can't see it, but I'm like punching the air right now. <laughs> All right. And Charlotte Hyde, you once again get to do your new intro. 
Well, it's not new anymore. But, uh, <laughs> all right, I'm Charlotte Hyde. I'm an assistant professor at Kansas State University and yeah. sorry, <laughs> resident Lego scholar. Yeah, to that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just very excited for all your developments. It's very fun. exciting. <laughs> All right, so we'll go ahead and um, jump into our next part, which is what you're playing, what you're reading, what you're drinking. And because we like to pretend we have manners around here and are not total screw-ups, which I apparently am this evening, where <laughs> technology is failing us, um, <laughs> we're going to be polite and start with Amanda. Amanda, what are you playing, darling? So we are playing. Um, the. So I should preface this with what I said before was that... Um, we have a big family, my husband and I, uh, the, uh, the creative director of the Deep End Games and I. We are having our fourth child on Sunday, as in this Sunday. <laughs> and um, But we always find time to, to, to play games together. And so last night we played the Resident Evil 7 demo, and I still have goosebumps. Totally <laughs> scary, atmospheric, amazing. Um, yep. Before that we played uh, Dabbled a Bit in No Man's Sky. You know, it's a, it's a big game, so we really haven't sunk too many hours into it, but it's definitely really cool and fun. The exploration's really nifty. Um, and before that, which was the big winner, that's the, the game that's really stuck with the both of us is uh, Inside, which I know you guys are huge fans, huge fans of Inside. Yeah. So that's what I've been playing. Awesome. Okay. Bianca, what have you been playing, darling? Yes, uh, what, okay, what did I say? Oh, yeah, okay, so, <laughs> uh, haven't been playing too much the past few weeks, but over this summer, I've been playing lots of sad games about children, I guess, um, Brothers, wow. and what was the, oh, the, uh, The Walking Dead, the first season of that, and then I played Papo EO, um, which was really fascinating, um, and uh, yeah. inside is going to be like tonight. I'm going to play that um, instead of sleeping because who needs to sleep ever? No one. Um, no one. And no, no one. Um, and then, uh, oh yeah. And then I'm also over the weekend going to play the park to think about motherhood in that game, the ramifications and implications of that. I think it's going to be really good for my research. So spoiler alert. Blog posts will be had for that one, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, that's me, Charlotte. Hey, how about you? <laughs> I, I only played one game this summer because I was busy. But, no, uh, <laughs> getting ready for a new job. That's nothing. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> and uh, so I played Inside, um, which was released the day after my defense, which was really awesome. Mm -hmm. And oh man. Yeah, that's the only game I've played all summer. But I will say this, and I didn't say this last time. Every time I play a game like that, I find myself in a situation where I'm like, I need another game like that. Yeah. yeah. And they're not they're not there. So, mm -hmm. But I'm playing it again, so that's fine. Let's <laughs> play it over and over and over again. Well, yeah, but now I'm just playing it to fail, which is kind of weird. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, that happens too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, well, I'll tell you what I've been playing. Um, be, you, for research purposes, I've been replaying um, Uncharted 4, mm -hmm. um, 
which, as I said before, has a has a great narrative, and it's a really interesting narrative. There's lots going on with you know, you know, bro love and all that other good stuff. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there, and I really want to write about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not what I'm well, that's not what I'm replaying it for to write about right now because I'm actually writing to uh, replaying it to write about. Um, Voice actors and and uh, voice actors and character representations um, for my book non book project that I'm working on is a chapter well a chapter in that in that project. Um, so I've been spending a lot of time replaying uh, Uncharted Four so I can um, take more kind of detailed audio notes and capture footage, mm-hmm. uh, which is always the fun part when you're doing a digital digital scholarly project. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and when I've been cheating on Uncharted 4, I've been playing uh, <laughs> probably more than I should have lately of No Man's Sky, mm-hmm. which, you know, oddly enough, a lot of people are on the fence about No Man's Sky. They either really love it or really hate it right now. Mm-hmm. So the the Internet is like aflame with all these conversations about No Man's Sky. Mm-hmm. But so one of the things that I do when I'm excited for a game is I kind of go, I try to go media dark on it. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Because yeah. I, I don't want it ruined right. for me, um, mm-hmm. which which is pretty hard considering the fact that we do what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, nope, we're not going to talk about No Man's Sky because I'm not listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have real expectations about it. I mean, mm-hmm. so, you know, occasionally stuff would come up and they'd be like, well, there's language stuff. And there's exploration, mm-hmm. and there's categorization, and I was like, "Oh, those are all cool things! I'm really excited for this. I'm excited to see what it is." And that's about all I allowed allowed into my own head. Mm-hmm. So when the game came out, I didn't have all these grandiose expectations that everybody else did because they had watched like all the all the interviews and all the press coverage and all this other stuff. So they were like, "Well, they promised us the world and everything else in a backpack." with a beer, and they didn't give it to us. Because, um, you know, I didn't see all that, and I am completely happy with what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but you know what? I'm, I'm not a big I'm not a big whiner when it comes to games like that anyway. If I, if I enjoy the experience, I don't care what they told me the experience was going to be. Mm-hmm. All that's important to me is that I enjoyed the experience that I had. I was the same way about Mass Effect 3 when everybody else was pissed about the endings. Well, they said that we were going to have all, everybody was going to have their own ending, and then there were only like eight endings. And then I'm like, really? Did you enjoy playing the game? Then shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so that's what kind of the same experience I'm having with No Man's Sky because I'm really enjoying playing the game. Um, so I'm not going to complain about it. There yeah. you go. Yeah. 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 Um, and then with my kiddo, uh, I've been playing a whole lot of Uncooked as she and I have been fighting against the clock to make food, serve food, wash dishes, <laughs> um, <laughs> all while shit is moving around us. And my kid who randomly gets it into her head that it's a really good idea to just let the pot catch fire just to see how fast the entire kitchen is going to catch on fire. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, hopefully why you let that pot imitate burn? art on that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> why'd you let that pot burn? I wanted to see if the whole kitchen was going up. That's that's what I wanted to see. <laughs> I like it. 
<laughs> and I'm like, whoa, see, mom is too competitive for that. We need to put the fire out when the fire starts. Yeah. Yeah, so we've been playing a lot of Uncooked. It's been a, it's been a really real blast to play. Um, it's hard to find a good couch co-op kid. That couch co-op kid. That too. A good couch co-op game to play with kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's been a that's been a really fun one. So yeah, I'll throw that out there. Awesome. Um, and that's what we've all been playing. <laughs> um, so uh, who's reading anything interesting? Anything interesting games related, sci-fi related? Um, I'm reading fiction, all the fiction, but I'm reading sci-fi. Ooh. Ooh, what you reading? I don't know how the guy pronounces it. Seven E's, maybe. Oh. It's uh actually Michael, my chair gave it to me. Yeah, it's about the moon exploding, which was kind of weird because I'm sitting outside when the static thing happened, and I'm like, did it happen? <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> I actually looked for the moon. I was like, I don't see it. I don't see it, and I don't. I don't see it. <laughs> uh-huh. So anyway, it's really interesting. It's it's very long. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I it's just finished. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, you no, go right ahead. You're done. I'm sorry. I was. Uh, <laughs> so I'm a I'm a huge uh, Haruki Murakami fan. I love One Q eighty four is probably my favorite book. One of my favorite books of all time. And you know his kind of weird existentialist, just kind of like random. It's just mm-hmm. hugely inspirational, and he's he's amazing. Totally. But um, I picked up Wind Pinball, which was his. It, it was the first thing he had ever written. Um, and I was so curious to read it to see how his voice has evolved and whatnot. And it it wasn't good, but that's very encouraging. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, look, you can learn craft, you know? Um, it still sounded like him, but, I mean, it was so raw. And there was such an interesting story at the beginning. Of- so, yes, uh, Wind Pinball, um, not great, but really interesting to see the evolution of a writer. So, yes. Cool. That is always encouraging. That is. Uh, what about you, Bianca? Reading anything interesting? You've been reading a lot. <laughs> I've been reading so many things um, that, like, it's overwhelming to think about what I've even read lately. Um, oh, I w- we were talking about House of Leaves earlier because that's like stuck with me so much, and I, I, that's my nightmare. Like, that is my nightmare right there. Um, and. My house has a really long hallway, so anytime oh. I get up to pee in the middle of the night, I'm like, no. <laughs> I can't see anything. It's happening here. This is my house. Um, so that one really stuck with me for sure. I've been reading a lot of super fun feminist theory, and that's not that, that yeah, it's super fun. Um, I've read... Uh, Chandra Mahanti's Feminism Without Borders, which is like super like fuck yeah feminism for me right now. It's all about solidarity and transnational feminism, and it's super good. Um, and I really like Jasbir Puar's Terrorist Assemblages. She talks a lot about intersectionality too. Um, I've been really digging that one. Um, so I'm like looking over my shoulder at the like five stacks of books that I have <laughs> over here right now. Um, oh, and I've been reading a lot of really fun feminist science fiction too. I think yeah. I might have mentioned this in the last podcast. I don't even remember when I was on the last podcast, but um, a lot of Joanna Russ, 
Ursula Le Guin, Octavia Butler, who is just like the most incredible human being. Um, and from Pasadena, shout out to LA. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know, lots of really fun stuff going on over here reading-wise. Um, but, you know, it's work too, working and pleasure together. Thanks, PhD. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see, I guess it's me. Um, I, the, the only thing I've been reading in terms of fiction right now is reading, um, I'm reading The Paper Magician. Would you like that? I, I got bored. You know, I'm reading it to pee. Oh, so, maybe that's why I got bored. Well, I just mean maybe it's not for me, but it also could be that maybe I was trying to read it in the middle of a PhD program and just mm -hmm. got distracted by something else. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm reading to her right now, and she, yeah. she still likes it. It's, it gets kind of, you know, deep and scary at moments because mm -hmm. um, we just got to the part where this dude, like, um, gets like this... Um, Oh, what is she? She's like a, she's almost like a necromancer who comes in and like sticks her hand in his chest and rips his heart out. Well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I was like, uh, we're gonna read this part. We're gonna skip this. This is bedtime, <laughs> and I want you to sleep. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> other than that, um, because. While uh, Bianca's been taking prelims, you're grading um, them. <laughs> yeah. So between between yours Ew. and and about forty seven others, yeah. well, not forty seven. I'm kidding. But I'm I'm reading lots of prelims right yeah, now. You yeah, you Ew. are. Oh, let's not talk about those. Okay. That's <laughs> that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. Um, but let's talk, let's talk about it just to say that it'll be over before you know it, and then it's it just will be over. over. You know it, yes. And then it's over forever, unless you're you know stupid unless enough I to do another fail. PhD. <laughs> you're not gonna fail. <laughs> <laughs> Hell, if I can pass, you can pass. Mm, okay. Okay. See, Samantha's had, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the night, the night. Oh, the night of the twenty-four hour. Like when I finished it, I fell asleep. And I had a dream that I went to turn it in, and there was, like, a slasher killer guy <laughs> on hall, and he was just mowing down all the things, just, just body parts strewn down the hall, the hallway of the third floor. And I'm like, I gotta turn this in. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, everything. There's a slasher guy in here now, too? Not like, all my on. friends and colleagues are dead, but I gotta get this turned in. I gotta in. get this turned in. Yeah, exactly. And we then I woke up, and then I woke up, and I went to pee, and I was like, no, you know what? I gotta finish this. And I went back to sleep, and I went back into the dream. Oh, no. I, I got him. And I was like, nope, you're done. And I hacked him to pieces, and then I turned my <laughs> so that's me right there. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll jump into the fun part uh, really quickly. Um, the the what you drinking part. Um, uh, Amanda's muted herself because she's got the um, the the I don't know the ghost of. <laughs> Maybe it's Bianca's prelim. That is true. <laughs> no. Um, Amanda. Yes. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Do I sound normal? You sound great. You sound yeah. normal. Yes. 
Fantastic. Or as close to normal as I can get. What <laughs> am I drinking? I'm drinking a really great um, like kind of coconut flavored iced tea called Coco Colada from David's Tea. And it's really refreshing and it's caffeine free. And I love it. Ooh. That sounds nice. I was going to say that does sound good. Mm-hmm. It's refreshing. Yeah. I was about to say, is it alcoholic? But I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> not for not not for another week. <laughs> She's like, you got some booze in there. <laughs> uh, what about you, Bianca? What are you drinking, darling? Uh, I'm drinking I'm drinking some pink wine. Oh yeah, um, you know, summertime. I gotta have my rosé going on. So I have a you know seven dollar Trader Joe's bottle. <laughs> Nice. The bottle is on the desk right now. You know, I got it just, just in case. You got to keep it handy. Um, <laughs> and that also is very refreshing. Summertime mm-hmm. wine. That's what it's all about. Summertime wine. Mm-hmm. What about you, Charlotte? I am drinking Shiner Ruby Redbird, which is my favorite grapefruit beer because it tastes more like beer than grapefruit. Mm. And it's from Texas, and I'm closer to Texas now, so I'm happy to be finding a lot of Texas things. Hanging around in the in the grocery store. Nice. So yeah, well, you and I are uh, pretty close, except for I am drinking um, a grapefruit Rattler. Yeah, those which, are good. I I don't know. I haven't had that. I don't know if that's good. Well, it tastes more like grapefruit than beer. <laughs> oh, so the, the opposite of what was going on in my head. Yeah, the, it's, it's <laughs> the opposite of what's going on. It tastes more like grapefruit than it does beer. Um, and I really like them because I can uh, I can drink them when I'm thirsty. Um, mm-hmm. and the alcohol level is so low. Yeah. I want to say something crazy like two percent. Yeah, they had those in um, in uh, Germany when I went. In fact, um, they called them the children's beer. Yeah. I drank those things all day long. Yeah, you you can, and that that's what's so beautiful about them. <laughs> yeah, they're like two percent alcohol. Um, so it's and it's not it's not super sweet. It tastes like like a ruby red grapefruit juice because that's you know what it is. But you can you can taste the beer in there. It's got a nice malty flavor underneath. Yeah, and sure. I like malty and not hoppy, so that makes me happy. The Shiner mm-hmm. was the first. Grapefruit I ever had. It may have been the first one. I'm not sure, but I remember when it came out, everybody was all up in arms because, oh my Jesus, we can't have grapefruit and beer. But it's <laughs> it's the most uh, it's the one that most tastes like beer to me, but with have a little you, grapefruit. Have you tried the uh, grapefruit shandies? Yeah, I do. I, I like them a lot. They're they're good too. But this is a little different because it's more like beer like than a shandy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the shandies are good too. I mean, I drink the shit out of them probably more than I need to. <laughs> They, they seem to have left these shelves in my area, so... Yeah, they, they bring them out at weird times, yeah. and they're like, yeah, just when you're in the heat of the summer, mm-hmm. no more fruit beer for you. No, <laughs> now, now you can have pumpkin beer. <laughs> okay. Refreshing, yeah. It's 150 degrees outside. Let me have some pumpkin beer. <laughs> I did see pumpkin coffee creamer at the store the other day. Oh, so. my, my beer stores have already switched over to pumpkins, so I'm just like scrounging around for summer stuff. Wow. <laughs> we talked about this last year. We did. Mm-hmm. Mental note to self, go grab some fruit beers to make yeah. it go. <laughs> All right. Well, since we're running um, long uh, <laughs> and we've already kind of started, we've already kind of talked about it in terms of talking about Overcooked, which was going to be our indie game. 
um, of the week. Um, we're going to go ahead and skip that because, mm -hmm. you know, we'll go back and read the wonderful post that I did this week on <laughs> Uncooked. If you do say so yourself. If I do say so myself. <laughs> it's, uh, um, it's, it's a great game. It's out on um, Xbox One, PS4, and Steam. Um, great co-op, great couch co-op. Um, fun to play with kids. Really, really brutally hard and can be kind of frustrating, but still fun. Mm -hmm. Thumbs up. Go play it. All right. <laughs> Let's talk to Amanda about Perception. Yes. Okay. Which is an amazing game because you got three people here who love horror games. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, for for <laughs> reasons. Yep. <laughs> I play horror games all the time because I'm still looking for one that is actually going to scare me. <laughs> Dude, if you play Fatal Frame, that is that to me that is the scare you shitless. <laughs> I, I can't even like I cannot. I'm, Which I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, I, yes, I've, I've, I've played it. I'm waiting for one that is going to scare me. Please tell me it's going to be Perception because this game looks so amazing mm -hmm. and it looks so scary. Mm -hmm. See, the problem is you can't play the games that are going to scare you. Why? Because they got kids in them? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that that may be it, right? Because the, the one thing the right. one thing that scares me so much is the thing that I'm like, nope, not playing. Because what um, was that? There was one that scared me. I can't remember the name of it now. It was with a little boy. Oh, the uh, uh, the sleep one. Yeah, yeah, like in yeah, it was like a among the sleep. Yes, among the sleep. Thank you. <laughs> sleep one. I'm looking at the game and I'm like. Little boy in the in the footy pajamas with the teddy bear. Yeah, that was pretty terrifying. Mm -hmm. I don't recommend you play it, but it was pretty terrifying. Yeah, no, see, I, I'm, I'm, I already know what that's about. I had to, I had to read I had to read Bianca's post. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know I can't play that. Yeah. I don't scare me. It's not that they so much scare me when they're kids involved, but they just. It's disturbing. Yeah, it is it's disturbing. So but we're not talking about that. We're talking about perception. Um, <laughs> and and the, the reason that perception is, is so interesting to the three of us is that we all have, like, super bad eyesight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that as we get older, is getting progressively worse. Mm -hmm. um, so we're like... Yeah, we can all see ourselves in this situation where we're like going blind and we're in a haunted house and this is going to scare the shit out of all of us. House of Leaves, I'm telling you. Well, oddly enough, House of Leaves is one of my influences. I in knew learning it. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's an influence because that, I like the whole house as a character thing. I really mm. think that's mm. really effective. And the non-Euclidean stuff, like I eat that, I eat that up. So mm -hmm. yes, it definitely has some influence in perception for sure. Oh my gosh, one of my favorite books. Yay. Oh man, I'm now I'm like super super stoked to play this. <laughs> Oh, and also super terrified. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, that was that was going to be one of our that was going to be one of our first questions is you know what kinds of things influenced so House of Leaves influenced you and influences the game. What about other games? I just gotta. 
So you know, for me, a lot of when like when I when I'm writing the script, I drew from a lot of literature. I actually just gave a talk on how to um, incorporate classic literature without sounding like a pretentious ass. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I love all of this. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> so I actually really like. I really. For me, from a from a narrative perspective, I typically draw from books. So, um, The Shining is huge. Yeah. The Shining, okay. the Shining is a huge. Oh my gosh, it's like you're you're, you're our people. Yeah. <laughs> I found my tribe. <laughs> so, The Shining is a huge influence. Um, you know, like I said before, like character house is a character. Mm -hmm. um, the Overlook is you know, just a character beyond compare, and you know, mm -hmm. it's really right. And, but Stephen King says, you know, something about horror and information, and I'm going to paraphrase it wrong, but essentially, information is the enemy of horror because the more you know, the less scared you are. Yeah. So mm -hmm. part of what has influenced perception from a design perspective and from a narrative perspective is that whole like less is more. Mm -hmm. The less you know, the more scared you are. So we have we have adopted that as a philosophy throughout the game. So, oh, wow. I think that's the horror. Like, I think that's why the first Alien movie is so good, because, like, oh you never guess. see the alien, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why we're scared of the demon static, too, because we don't know why that's happening. We, we don't know why it's happening. You can't see anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you, you're a person who um, focuses on the literature to get to your narrative. So... Being a person, a humanist, right, uh, a person in the humanities, uh, where literature is your thing, how did you get into game design? How did you get into writing for games? Yeah, inquiring so. minds want to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I was an English teacher for over ten years hmm. um, at high school, and I'm also a writer of novels. And my husband would come home from working on, you know, the original Bioshock, and we would bat around ideas, and he would really need me for a lot of the narrative <laughs> stuff. And, and, you know, when I was writing my books, he would heavily critique them and give me all sorts of perspectives that I didn't get that he got from game design. So we've been collaborating for years. And um, when Irrational closed, um, he was in the middle of getting his master's in human factors and in information design. And one of his professors sort of inspired him to like think think differently about something. I'm trying to remember exactly what you know. He said, you know, you're gonna have an amazing career-changing idea by the time you get to your car. And you know, he, he sort of had this idea about this game where you're blind. And and I, he was pitching it to me, and we were talking, and he was like, and you're gonna write it. And I was like, what? <laughs> I write books, honey. Um, transitioning from uh, novels to scripts is actually really fascinating um, because in books you have so many crutches. You have, you know, people's memories and their senses. And mm -hmm. In a game, the, the script is, is bare. It's, it's your actions or your, your words. And um, that really was interesting for me to pare down you know, just not rely on those crutches anymore, those narrative crutches, and really get to, like, she says what's important, she does what's important, and that's how you learn about the story through that. So that that was a journey. That was really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's super fascinating. It is. Yeah. So, okay, so Perception uh, is, a, is a Kickstarter project, right? And it's had 
it's had great community support, right? Yes. And for, for those of you, of you who don't know, it was yesterday that it went live on Steam, right? Yes, so people right. can add it to their wish list. Go it's add it to your wish, your wish list, okay. definitely, so you don't forget to buy it as soon as you possibly can. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this whole process so far, what has been for you the most surprising thing, and what do you wish you had known from the beginning? And, and, and likewise, what, do you wish, what are you glad you didn't know? So, what surprised me is how a Kickstarter... So, bottom line is you get so much great feedback from the backers and from the community that you really honestly incorporate it into the Kickstarter. And, like, for example, we were told, like, nobody wants physical rewards. Nobody, they don't do well, blah, blah, blah. Turns out, JK, they really want physical rewards. So, like, <laughs> if we would totally yeah. change... So it's really a living, breathing thing. And um, I suppose what surprised me the most in a good way is just interacting with people and how awesome they are and yeah. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed um, meeting a lot of our backers at PAX and interacting with them and uh, it was just really exciting and fun. Cool. That's super cool. Um, I'd like to get back into the narrative part of the game. I know, shocking me wanting to talk about narrative with someone who writes narratives and who I want to steal and make my family. Um, <laughs> you, are you a babysitter? <laughs> Would you like to <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm great with kids. Um, what was I talking Oh, yeah, so I am really fascinated by this idea of, of blindness. Mm -hmm. as being like a, a you know main thematic component to the mm -hmm. game right but thinking about the idea that a video game is primarily like well not primarily but at least in part a visual medium right yes. so a visual medium exploring lack of sight right, um, right is so fascinating to me so I guess my my question is you know, is there something about about you know games as a medium? It's it's visuality that you think allows something like perception to explore the idea of blindness in in new and in different ways. Yeah, um, you know, when we first started concepting it, we we were we wanted people to understand that this was abstract, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and we looked at a lot of different ways to sort of illustrate. Um, that sound wave, and we we looked at Schlieren physics, and we looked at you know like radio waves and drops in a pool, and what we came up with was sort of um, we we just we just liked how it sort of allowed you to see but not enough, um, and what we also feel like is really important to get out there is echolocation is real. Right. Um, yeah. Daniel Kish is um, the head of World Access for the Blind. He's been blind since a year old, and he, this is how he sees the world. We met him. We went out to dinner with him. He is did he the not... guy who can ride a bike? Is yes. He... Okay. You met him? Cool. We went, out, we went out to dinner with him. We had a sushi dinner with the guy, and here he was just talking to us and was able to see essentially what he was doing. Like, he was taking the sushi with the chopsticks, dipping him in the right place. This man is has no eyes. He has glass eyes. Right. And he was able to use sound to see. It, it, it was amazing. We were walking through Boston. We had crossed the street with him. It was, it was amazingly inspirational. And, you know, we want, it, we want people to also know that this is not a superpower. 
Um, I feel like we do not want to marginalize people who are, are visually um, impaired by saying, like, oh, look at the cool things she can do because she's blind. Like, this right. is a real thing that some people can do. Mm -hmm. And it's not a superpower, and it's not meant to be like, oh, she's this trope, you know, this your handicap makes you super, you know, kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's, and, but we also wanted to sort of make sure that we're very respectful, and um, we've, we've had a million different connections in the blind and visu visually impaired community who are helping us with this, and, you know, we've worked with Perkins School for the Blind and World Access for the Blind, and talked to a lot of blind gamers, a lot of visually impaired gamers, and they're just all so helpful and psyched, and it's just been a really awesome ride. That sounds so cool. I love everything about this. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's that's really fascinating that you know talking about not wanting to like perpetuate any tropes too because I I think that the horror genre there are so many tropes usually with that you yeah. know whether it's yeah. the idea of blindness or whether it's the final girl right? Um, right and I think you're subverting both of those things um, yeah and um, so I mean thinking about about the horror genre I guess in general I mean I'd love to hear about what inspired you to specifically situate these ideas in a horror game? Um, mm -hmm. And not just in, in horror, but like horror in like the home too as, as the location for terror. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I would say, um, I would probably go back to the whole question about influences and you know, um, you know we, we do love the haunted house genre. Like we, yeah. we love uh, the Fatal Frame series and we love The Shining and you know setting something in a house we we live in New England and we live in a, a community that is very rich with history and there are houses in our town that are scary as fuck because <laughs> we have all sorts of like hidden things in them and these houses have stories and histories and we wanted to set it up here so having it in, in a New England mansion was really important to us Historically and in, in in the backstory, this is um it's almost a generational saga where you have like hunt, like people living in the same house um, for hunt over the course of hundreds of years and like this family did this and this family this happened to this and so we really liked to sort of trace that like evolu de evolution of the house and um that's that was big for us. Mm -hmm. so. And it reminds me, I'm gonna go back to House of Leaves. Sorry, but yeah. like, because that's situated in the home, but then you have one of the narrators is blind, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so he's writing about something that he can't really see, right? And then there's a whole braille section, but you mm -hmm. can't feel the braille section. It's not raised. Yeah. So like, I, I don't know. This is, I'm, I'm getting so many House of Leaves, like, references <laughs> here, yeah. which is terrifying. <laughs> 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 I really Sorry. For this. No, no. I thank you. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> We're looking forward to the terrifying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I, I have to ask a question that kind of um, jumps back to a conversation that we had earlier that probably didn't get recorded. Um, when we when we had our first set of snafus this evening on the. Uh, on the podcast is is earlier we talked about games that we would forget and, and replay um, forget what well, we wanted to forget just so that we could replay for the beginning. 
So this is a question. If you had to think about a, a, a horror game that you would want to experience again for the first time, what would that one be? For, for me, that's easy, and I mentioned it earlier. It's Fatal, fatal Frame. Um, that, that was absolutely formative in my horror gaming, you know, life. Um, it really genuinely scared the shit out of me. Um, and at, now I would like to go back and play it fresh, not just for the story and the scares, but, you know, I really would want to dissect, okay, why was that frightening, and what about this worked? And I'd probably get a little bit too, you know, in the weeds with, with you know, the professional side of things. But, yeah, absolutely, without a doubt, I would play Fatal Frame again. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. Uh, what about you, Bianca? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to go with Until Dawn here. I think that it's, it's actually really replayable, though, too, um, especially if you're playing with different people. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to get an entirely different experience. I had a couple of friends of mine come out to visit in May, and they're big horror buffs. Um, I mean, as far as films, but they don't really play a lot of games. So I was like, I think you guys are going to dig this game. And we stayed up, like, all night long. And <laughs> did you stay up until dawn? Yes. I like it. Uh, so, and they loved it. So I, I think that that game has been really fascinating for me to think about how, like, narrative... Is, is being used in horror games, especially how it draws from the horror genre in general, you know, across mediums, how it perpetuates certain tropes. Um, yeah. But also, yeah, and then, but also how it can just be a really fun sort of collaborative experience, too, nonetheless. Um, and how, because of that collaborative moment, like, you get a different experience every time you play it. Um, so, I don't know. That one's super fun for me um, to, to just play with other people. So, I like that one. <laughs> Charlotte, what about you? I'm going to go with my original answer as well. Uh, a combination of Limbo and Inside. And I think it has to do with what Amanda was saying earlier about um, the less you know, the scarier it is. Because yeah. nobody really knows what the fuck is going on in those games. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So you're just sort of like wandering around, like, uh, well, not around, I guess you're wandering in one way, but, <laughs> but you don't know what's going on, and you don't know why, why it's happening. Mm -hmm. and like, where the hell am I? <laughs> it just creeps yeah. me out. <laughs> mm -hmm. And the muted tones. Oh, the muted that. tones, and the, the just, oh. Mm -hmm. And Limbo... It's weird because Limbo, I thought, was really violent until I played Inside. No and, kidding. Because uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Limbo was almost, you know, humorously violent, like mm -hmm. comically violent, whereas Limbo is more realistically violent. Mm -hmm. But I think they're tied together. Mm. But that's a whole other podcast. So. Right. Okay. You know, you mentioned that less is more thing uh, again, and it just reminds me, uh, thinking about as far as like sound though too, right? Uh, sound and music, I feel like less is more in the horror genre too, where I mean, silence is terrifying, mm -hmm. you know, because you, you're like, what's the next sound I'm going to hear? Like honestly during this podcast I heard like a sound in my house and I'm like, well, it's happening. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, There's yeah. nobody else here, but is there someone else here? No. Okay, we're fine. Y'all are going to give me nightmares tonight, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think that, like, the fact that perception uses, you know, echolocation and therefore sound, like, that's obviously got to really establish the tone, I feel yeah. like. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny. Sound is almost all you have in perception. Yes. So we have made sure that our, our audio director is a freaking genius. It's Jim Bonney who worked, who won a BAFTA for Bioshock Infinite, like, his sound design on that. He is a sound design god, and <laughs> the sounds in this game are totally creepy, but you, and you really, truly need every sound because it illuminates the environment. So, oh God, almost wait. imagine sound as a light bulb, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. we, need, we need sound in the game, but yeah, silence is just as, definitely just as creepy, but... Yeah, when I, when that house creaks and when you hear the presence, like we made sure that like because this game doesn't have a ton as much visually, it mm -hmm. sure has enough auditorily. So oh, that's great. Well, I will say the visuals I see look pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so underrated in so many things. It is. Sound it and is. music. Yeah are so important. Like, I think that's... So I watched Stranger Things over the summer. Yeah, yeah. And sound and music are so important in that, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. And that's one of the things I love about that. I'm also re-watching it right now. Like, I put it on right before I go to sleep, so that tells you something about me. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but I, yeah, I, that's something that I'm really noticing is, is sound is just so undervalued. Maybe it's because I'm a musician where I'm like, yeah, sound, everybody. Um... <laughs> But, uh, no, I love that, that that's really highlighted in perception. That's, that makes me so excited. It's one of the things that people took away from when they went to our booth at PAX. Like, people mm -hmm. got up and were like, dude, the sound in this? And we were like, dang. But, yes. yeah, a lot of people were like, dude, the sound. It's, I, I, I'm a huge, like, huge fan of our own, our very own Jim. He's, he's incredible. He can take, like... Like a, a, a cat in a head of lettuce and make something sound terrifying. Like he just makes these sounds, like mac and cheese. Like you know, slap some mac and cheese on your cat's head and roll a roll of lettuce. Like I don't know how he makes these sounds, but he does. Oh man, that sounds really fun. <laughs> I think he has fun doing. It. So what was interesting is it because I'm old. Um, I think my, the the one game that was good at, well, okay, so here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with my original, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, but I have to say that Inside did the same thing for me. They didn't have me terrified in the same way that other people seem to experience some games, mm -hmm. but gave me good jump scares mm. was, uh, Resident Evil, mm -hmm. like, remember the first time you were playing like the like the first uh, the first Resident Evil and the dogs jumped through the windows at the, at the window at the end of the hall. The meat dogs, oh god. <laughs> yes, see that almost I was playing at my friend Patrick's house, um, and we were playing. We were sitting around drinking beer and smoking. Don't smoke is bad for your health. Um, <laughs> and. Uh, and the dogs jumped through the window because he called me up. He was like, you got to come play this game. You got to come play this game. Mm -hmm. So I came and we went over his house and played this game. And when that happened, I swear before all that is holy, I damn near got up and ran out of his apartment. <laughs> 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 
So if I can get, you know, while things may not frighten me in the same way, if I can get good jump scares, I'm pretty happy. And, and Inside actually gave me a couple of pretty good jump scares, not because it was really, really scary necessarily, but because I was, I kept waiting for something else horrible horrible to happen in that fucking game. Yeah, it's that, like, psychological, like, tension. Yeah, yeah, I would say, I don't know that I thought it was, like, scary, but it was super tense. Yes. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the same as scary. If I'm going to be I, all tense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, like, a, a, an anxiety to that kind of Yeah. Horror, right? And um, I don't know what's going to happen, and I want him to be okay, but I don't know what he's doing. And <laughs> Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you Absolutely. have more time in that sort of slow tension to think about all of the horrible possibilities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And yeah. think about all the ways that I would not be doing what he's doing. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. don't go in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> go the other way. The other way. <laughs> mm-hmm. And for me, like, I feel like that's something that, like, an environment that, like, perception is 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 going to establish because it's like what's around the other corner, right? Like you're imagining all the things that you can't see or you can't hear. Or right. if you do hear something, right? Like it's like what could that horrible, that's a monster for sure, right? <laughs> right. It's, al- it's always waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, yeah. okay, okay, when is shit really going down? Like, okay. And, you know, making noise is the only way you can see, but making noise is the only thing that br- brings the baddies. So yes. it's like, what do I do? The catch 22, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think right. that's super fascinating. That sort of reminds me of um, Alien Isolation. You yes. can set it up with your um, microphone and um, camera. Where if you make too much noise in real life, in real life, it can like lure the alien in the game to where you are in the game. Um, yeah, so I like, would be screwed. Yeah, I haven't played it that way. I haven't played it that way, but I really, I kind of want to, and I want to like stream it while I do that because I'm sure it would just be chaos. Like um, right there. Hey, here I am. Yeah, I think that's terrible, and that's a really interesting way of like blurring. You, your embodied position with like the game that you're playing too, yeah. um, and uh, so I don't know. That's that's but that that's that same idea of sound, right? And having to think about the sound that you're making. Oh sure. Yeah. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when so when perception finally comes out, and. Um, and we all get a chance to play it. Amanda, you're going to come back and talk to us about it, right? Of course. We're, we're going to have all this new stuff to talk about. Mm-hmm. You can invite <laughs> me back whenever. I like just hanging and talking about video games, so I'm down for whenever. <laughs> uh, we can talk about games all day long. All day. <laughs> <laughs> games are our thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Amanda, so here's a question that I, I always ask people at the end. And, and I didn't put this on our, our list. Okay. So what didn't we ask you that you wish we had asked you or you just want to tell us about? Oh, my goodness. I know I that's, know. that's always a hard one, isn't it? That's such a hard one. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish you didn't ask me that. <laughs> that could not have been more perfectly timed. No, it couldn't have. <laughs> I was like, oh, I get it now. The demons come when we piss her off. <laughs> demons are real. The demons are real. You, that question brought the demons. 
Oh, how do you feel now? Huh? <laughs> can we like? Can we keep the static in the podcast because it's really a, a character now? It really is. <laughs> oh my god, this was really fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, what were you gonna say? <laughs> I did not have an answer. I don't know. I, I talked about, you know, the game and and narrative and and horror and darkness and I mean that's all my that's that's my jam right there. That's everything that I typically talk about with this game. So Well, I agree with Sam. You're quite a badass. <laughs> yep. That needs to be restated. <laughs> you guys are awesome. This is really fun. Um, oh, are there any other projects that you're working on that you want to talk about? Um, a baby that's coming out on Sunday. That's, that's <laughs> a big project. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I really only have time for four children in a game. I don't that have is, time for another project. I that wish is I did. a lot of stuff to do. Yeah. It, it, it is. Like, I, my books are currently, they've written, they're currently shelved. We're not doing anything with them. I'm not writing anymore book-wise until the game is done. So this is my project. This is it. This is my baby. Wow. My, another baby. Well, we're <laughs> another baby. We're really excited for all the babies. <laughs> Thank you. I am too. And, and just so you know, Sam is a great name for a girl or a boy. Oh, very nice. Very nice. I, I love Sam because it's always a loyal a loyal friend. Oh. You know, you think it's Oh, you think of Samwise Gamgee. Yep. You think uh -huh. of, you know, Sam from, I mean, from Game Frodo of Thrones. wouldn't have made it very far without Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Sam's are loyal. I like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it sounds like a dog name, though. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh. I name my next dog Sam. Boy. <laughs> oh, I'll Sam the dog. I love him. Mm-hmm. On that note, <laughs> Amanda, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank it, it was you. a blast, demons and all. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much for inviting me. I had so much fun. We had a blast. We're really looking forward to the game. Um, yeah. We're really looking forward to playing it. We're really looking forward to you coming back yeah. and talking to us about the game and talking mm -hmm. to us about games in general. Yes. Anytime. Yes. <laughs> You can come back and do the podcast where we talk about the game we want to play again. Yep, yep. Yeah. Pencil me in, do it. Yeah, mm -hmm. there we go. Yeah. We got to do that one too. Mm -hmm. uh, so with that, that brings us to the end of episode ooh, 134. So until episode 135 where we have all kinds of wonderful things planned for you, <laughs> uh, we would like to tell you stay cool, stay dry, and as always, my friends, game on. Game, game on. on.